Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly, fully vaccinated and fully boosted Johnson in D.C. Today, my guest is Josh Remillard. He's from North Carolina. He's an Army vet and he's running against Madison Cawthorn. We're going to have a lot to talk about. But before we get into the conversation, the Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners and it's woman run. It's patrons who keep the show going. So I am so grateful for each and every one of you. If you enjoy today's show, visit patreon.com slash start me up. You'll see that I offer a bunch of different tiers, including one that has a much shorter intro and is completely ad free. I do two free shows a week, Mondays and Wednesdays, and they're followed up by What's Up, a show only by me. Whatever I feel like talking about that particular day, it's kind of like a stream of consciousness. Again, just go to patreon.com slash start me up. Take a look at the different options. You can always upgrade later. You can also find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes slash Apple Podcast Store. Become a subscriber because it's free. And while you're there, please rate the show and leave a review. Now, please enjoy my conversation with congressional candidate Josh Remillard. Welcome to the show, Josh. Hey, how's it going? Well, um, I'm happy you're here because you are running against Madison Cawthorn. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that there are, you know, you're a veteran, and there's a lot of veterans right now that are just deciding they're going to run for office. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to read to you the message that I got from your campaign manager. And she said that Madison Cawthorn changed districts from 14 to 13 in a surprise announcement Thursday. He said he wasn't abandoning his constituents, but instead looking to increase cons constitutional conservatism in North Carolina. He also said that there is no place in the party for Republicans who aren't America first. So then you made the decision and announced that you were going to change districts as well as going after Cawthorn. So can you explain what this means to people who might not fully understand it? Sure. So in, in North Carolina, it, the first and foremost thing is that you can you, you don't have to live in the district that you represent. Mm -hmm. That's that's the first and foremost thing. So uh, beyond that, the reason I got into this race was January 6th. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I served eight years in the army. Uh, I did two combat tours in Iraq. And, you know, when I was overseas, I lost I lost several battle buddies. Um, and back home, you know, I, I lost a really, really close friend of mine uh, due to PTSD. Mm -hmm. You know, he, when he came back, he had, he, just, he had so much guilt and anger for himself because, you know, they had gotten, his, his team had gotten ambushed in somewhere in Afghanistan and, you know, he ended up losing battle buddies over there and, and friends and soldiers that he was in charge. Of. And so on January 6th, when I saw Madison Cawthorn go up on stage and encourage those riders to go and take our nation's capital, I, I remember yelling at the TV. Cause I was like, and, and my wife came home from work uh, shortly, shortly thereafter. And she heard me yelling at the TV. She said, what are you yelling at? I'm like, look at this. Mm -hmm. Look, this is, you expect this in other countries, not yeah. in America. Yeah. You know, people, people have died. Uh, service members and veterans have died for this country to defend our constitution, our friends and our family, our nation's capital, everything. Mm -hmm. So that's, I, I, I wouldn't be able to live with myself if I didn't get involved in this race. Um, because I, he he is he is making a mockery. He is he is diluting the 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 sacrifice that Americans have made for this country. And frankly, I'm I'm tired of him and others saying that they're patriots and, and have a monopoly on, on patriotism. I mean I fought for my yeah. country and I love it. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, that makes me angry. I mean, I, I would love for Democrats to just take back that word because you hear that word now and you automatically it's like almost like with the American flag. It's like they're co-opting it and it's it's 
very upsetting. Um, but I do want to, what's the difference between, why did he change districts? Yeah, he, you know, I mean, if, if you, if you watch his video, his announcement video, he, um, he changed it because he, he said all sorts of things. Like mm-hmm. he wants to preserve the conservative, uh, fighter mentality or whatever, whatever the heck he said in that video. <laughs> but the, the, the bottom line is, you know, once the maps were redrawn in North Carolina, the district that we're currently in became more favorable towards Democrats. Oh, okay. so he didn't have his, he didn't have his conservative stronghold anymore. Mm-hmm. So he moved to a much more red district because in that oh, district he has a stronger chance of winning. Okay. Um, so I mean, I'll just I mean, call a spade a spade, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So um, how? How has your decision been, you know, to run been received where you live? Um, it's it's been interesting. Uh, I think that people are very like the moment I announced, I, I had a lot of people come out and say that's a pretty ballsy move. Because <laughs> um, uh, honestly, you know, my team's been looking into it, and I don't I don't honestly believe that this has been done before in North Carolina, where a Democrat has chased a Republican into a, a red district. Before. Wow. I don't think that's ever happened. Um, and, you know, I was, look, I, I, I was taught when I was, or not taught, my grandma used to tell me a lot when I was little. Like she said, you know, Josh, don't you ever start a fight. But if you do find yourself in one, you better damn well finish it. And that's exactly what, what I'm doing right now. Because, you know, Madison Cawthorn is a clear and present danger to this country and our state. And I mean, if he were to, flee and run to Pennsylvania and run up to Pennsylvania, I'd go right there with him. I'd be following him <laughs> right on his tracks. That's awesome. Um, and you described him as uniquely dangerous. So I'd like to know why, what, what makes him uniquely dangerous to you? Well, uh, for starters, again, we'll go back to January 6th. That's, that was just I mean, that's, that's, that's treasonous behavior. Mm-hmm. That's, that's in, that he's being an insurrectionist. That's treasonous behavior. The other thing is he has had a myriad of things since that day that, that, that tell me and tell others that not only does he not care about America, but uh, he'd be willing to shed blood, American mm-hmm. blood. Yeah. For instance, he had a, a town hall uh, in, in North Carolina a few months back and where he claimed that essentially if Republicans uh, don't get what they want in future elections, then it only leads to one place, and that's bloodshed. And he was essentially calling for a second civil war. Mm-hmm. Then he moved past that. A few days later, a week later, or something like that, he uh, he was speaking at some uh, uh, religious conference, calling for pat- uh, patriotic Christians to stand up and uh, you know, I guess be aggressive against the uh, aggressive against the Democratic Party. So he was calling for a holy war. Right. Wow. This time. Um, you know, and then then he's done. You know, he voted no um, to support battered women's shelters, giving funding for battered women's shelters. Um, where in the beginning of the year, he posed at one of the uh, the battered women's shelters in. Um, <sighs> In, in the district and said, look, I'm going to be here. I want to make sure you get all the funding you need. Wow. And then he goes and does that. Not to mention, he he was also quoted as saying, you know, to mothers, if you, because there's, according to him, there's this uh, severe drop in testosterone and masculinity in America, <laughs> right. that mothers should raise monsters. And, and I'll tell you what, I've got two young daughters at home. 
uh, you know, my Guinevere is three and Eowyn is two. Aww. And, um, I love those girls more than more than life itself. Yeah. And I'll be damned if I'm going to, if, if I'm going to allow him to be the representative and the, and the role model for my community. Wow. You know, so, I mean, it just, the list just goes on and on and on. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it, if it wasn't, I guess if it wasn't so dangerous, it'd almost be kind of comical. Right. Exactly. And yeah, I think you're to- totally right with the uniquely dangerous part. Have you always been a Democrat? You know, interestingly, um, it wasn't until I started working on my degree that I actually started paying attention to politics. Um, you know, when I was on my first deployment, I came, uh, I came back for R and R while we were on deployment, and you know, my aunt asked me, "Josh, what president are you going to vote for?" And I was like, "Well, I was like, Aunt Jeannie, you know, I'm, I'm not really political at all." And she was shocked. She was like, "Why not?" I was like, "Look, honestly, if I vote for President A, President B gets elected, they're still my commander in chief, and I still got to do what they say." Mm-hmm. Um, but then you fast forward several years after I get out of the army and I start working on, on my bachelor's degree uh, in political science and philosophy. And I start realizing that, you know, a lot of, a lot of the way that the military, the army works to me was uh, symbolic of, of the way that the fundamentals of the democratic party work. Hmm. You know, the, the, the idea that everyone should have good health care in the army. So mm-hmm. that way you're a healthy fighting force. Mm-hmm. Everyone should have the same high quality education. So that way you're uniquely talented and skilled in your job to protect this country, hmm. you know, and then there's equal pay, you know, so just generally all right. across the board, everything yeah. was, there's, a, there's almost an egalitarianism to it. And, and I guess maybe, you know, having worked with people on, with all different kinds of beliefs on both sides of the, the political spectrum and, and otherwise, you know, I was like, I guess, I guess, you know, I guess, I guess maybe I am a, a Democrat. <laughs> um, so then I, you know, I, I, I leaned into it more, but I, you know, I think that most importantly, I sort of see myself as, as more of a moderate because again, going back to being in the military, uh, you know, when, when you're, when you're being shot at and blown up, um, the, the most important thing is that you solve the problem that's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter who's on your left and your right. What matters is that you guys work together and solve the problem and get back to base and get to safety. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that it's important when you're when you're dealt with all these problems and these issues that you look at the entire the entire picture. You look at all facets of the problem and try to find solutions. And you can't do that if you're wearing blinders on one side or the other. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, I mean, I, I'm not trying to define you in any way, but I mean, to me, that sounds like a you do, you call yourself a moderate, but it it seems like you're progressive because it, in order to advance. Like you just said, you have to take care of what's in front of you. Like the way I look at it right now, because I consider myself a very, I'm a progressive person. I'm a progressive in politics and all that. But I also understand that in order to win elections, we have to appeal to a majority of people. And not everybody thinks the way I do. And I understand that. And I'm willing, even though I don't like the fact that sometimes equal pay is on the table or even the Equal Rights Amendment, which is still not in the Constitution, um, it's never going to get in the Constitution if the Republicans win. So to me, it's about getting rid of the pro- – like, just like you said, dealing what's in front of you and then moving on to the next. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I really appreciate that, and I think it's a great, it's a great way to look at things. Um, I want to just say this is a quote from the Charlotte Observer that you um, – it says, his time in foster care – His work as a bouncer and his time serving overseas all made him a fighter and made him believe he could take on Cawthorn. Now, 
I did play, I, I, or I should say, I didn't play. I retweeted your, your campaign video, which is awesome. And Thank it you. talks about that a little bit about your time in foster care. But what I would really like to know is we are fighting this time, this election, I would say last election too, maybe even in 2016. 2018 um we're fighting a new kind of party now i mean the republicans have always been at their core kind of the same but now since trump became president the the racism and the sexism and the bigotry and all of that is now permitted to be public and people feel comfortable being public with that so obviously cawthorn not only like you say he's calling for a holy war a civil war and a holy war so what is it that is what does it take to beat for a democrat to beat someone like that yeah you know i um i agree you know, there's there's been this straw man argument or fallacy that's been created i mean it's it's always existed but i think it's 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 been highlighted ever since the, the presidency of, of donald trump mm -hmm. um Yes. And I mean, we could always we could always you know drill down into the core of that, but right. I, I certainly don't want to bore anyone with all that. But uh, <laughs> you know, I I think uh, honestly, I think the way that you overcome this disinformation and the straw manning of of a Democrat like myself is you get down on the ground. You know, I've, I've always I've always believed that if anyone if anyone says that they want to represent, advocate, lead, serve a community, whatever the case is then you need to be someone who's willing to get on the ground mm -hmm. with people mm -hmm. and, and solve problems for that community, be a part of that community. As a matter of fact, so I, I live in, the, in, in North Carolina, in Western North Carolina. I live in, in this county, uh, Haywood County. And in Haywood County, I live in the town of Crusoe. And um, in August, Tropical Depression Fred uh, landed, touched down in Western North Carolina and flooded out the, the Pigeon River here. And I mean, we saw a lot of devastation. Mm -hmm. um, we saw houses flying down the river, cars, you know, just all, all kind of manner of just apocalyptic stuff. Yeah. And that day, um, it, you know, I mean, I, I had a lot of things happen in my house. I mean, I, I, I had a hole dug so, so I could put a septic tank in and it hadn't been filled yet. So the septic tank ended up breaking loose and floating around my yard. Oh. But, um, <laughs> <fun>. um, <laughs> 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 um, but, you know, what I did after that is, I got out there, I put all the tools that I had in the back of my SUV and I drove up and down some of these flooded roads asking people if they needed help. I helped wow. out my neighbor uh, behind me because he was unable to get over the bridge to his house and his horse was back behind me and she was starting to, to panic a little bit. Uh, so I, I threw two two by fours over over this one little, uh, well, it's, it's right now it's a brook, but that day it was a raging river. Mm -hmm. So I threw these two two by fours over the brook and. Uh, sort of waded across, if you will, and, and I, I helped calm the horse down so she wouldn't break her leg in the brook or run out to the street and hit by a car. Uh, my neighbors down the road, I helped them with uh, several trees that had fallen down from the mountain um, and were about to crash in their house. I mean, I went like hip deep in, uh, in, in water, helping to, to swamp out and, and clear out some of the brush and stuff. Hmm. Uh, and then after that, I, you know, I, um, I, I helped I have I have a barbe I have a I have a grill so I, I barbecued up some food for the neighbor for the neighborhood uh, to give people you know help help in that manner. Um, so my neighbors know who I am. Right. They know that I'm a Democrat. They know that that I'm running for Congress, and they are not Democrats. Hmm. Um, and as as a matter of fact, I've I've had a lot of support from my neighbors. Interesting. So I guess I'm I'm saying all of this because 
if you can get down on the ground mm -hmm. and you can talk to people on the other side of the aisle and you you participate in the community, it's much harder to see a Democrat as as this vile, villainous human being or creature or whatever. It's it's harder to uphold that that straw man argument right. if you're engaged with the community because it it's clearly not the case if you're if you're engaged with the community. Right. Wow. So as a Democrat running in a very very red district. How are you going to reach voters so that you can beat Cawthorn? Yeah, I mean, um, again, I mean, it's going to be a lot of the same, a lot of the same messaging. You know, I'm going to get down, uh, get again, get down on the ground, hold forums, uh, town hall meetings, meet and greets. Um, you know, we're we're going to get we're we're starting to amass a, a large, growing number of volunteers. Oh, great! And yeah. so we're going to we're going to be calling people. Uh, we're going to be doing our mailer program, knocking on doors. Uh, and uh, as much as we can get down the ground and meet people and and I'm going to continue the message that I've that I've uh, I've, I've been you know that I've been carrying on um, you know because at the at, at the end of the day you know I think that I think that a Republican will vote for a Democrat so long as they see themselves in that person mm -hmm. so long as they understand that this person has served this country and bled for this country and fought to defend the rights and the freedoms that we have here they see that in contrast to Madison Cawthorn, and I'm I'm hoping that's that's the thing that'll that'll sway a lot of a a lot of voters. Wow, that that's a great point. And um, what I wanted to ask too is, like, I know that I I've talked to Bruno Amato. He is running against Kevin McCarthy. He is also a veteran, and he said like Kevin McCarthy never holds any town halls. He never comes back to his um to where you know to Bakersfield where where he's represented. Uh, or the, the place where he represents, I should say. So I think it was Bruno said, well, I at least will do. At least I'll do four per year. I mean, I could do one a month. Now, let me just jump to, let's say if you do get elected, do you have plans to do something? Like, do you want to do town halls all the time? Or how are you going to stay in touch with your with the constituents? Yeah, you know, I think that communication is, is a vital key. Um, Again, this for me, this goes back to the military, right? When you're on the firing line and 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 you're you're in trenches and and you're trying to figure out how to maneuver on on the enemy, you have to have solid communications. So that way, everyone can get the job done that they need to. Um, and again, that that's so important here, right? So, I I absolutely intend on opening up headquarters all across the district, so that that way people can go to my headquarters, they can go to my offices, and they can they can express issues that they have grievances or whatever, and we can work through those things. The other thing is, as you said, like, it's important. I think that it, it would be absolutely important that I hold town hall meetings with people and express to them what's about to happen in DC and then what I believe that my my vote should be or ask them what my vote should be on those, on those issues. Um, and then if it comes down to it, like if I'm not able to get back to the district in time, you know, I will have people in place that will inform my district on the things that I have to vote for and why. Right. Uh, I think that's the other important thing is explain to them why I'm voting on something. So have you been able to in the in the non drum you said that they weren't Democrats. So I'm going to assume they were Republican or maybe even independent. So when you're talking right now to people who are not Democrats, are what are you hearing from them and what are they liking about? I mean, I get that what you just said, you know, when you're showing them that you're just a human being looking out for the country and looking out for them, that resonates. But what is like what are you hearing specifically from from either Republicans or independents? 
Yeah, I mean, they they want to make sure that we you know our our rights are not being, I guess you could say, encroached upon by the government. Mm-hmm. Which I I get, you know, and and there's this there's this undertone of sort of being left behind by the government, hmm. right? Um, and you know, I, I think that that's 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 largely what what aggravates me about the government <laughs> is that there is the sense that 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 everyday Americans get left behind. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we, we continue, you know, if, if we send, you know, these, these, these congressional representatives and senators to DC who know all these rich millionaires and billionaires who are completely disjointed and disconnected from the community writ large, uh, how are they supposed to propose bills that are reflective of the struggles that we go through on a day-to-day basis? Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, I, I, as as you said earlier, you know, I've I've held a lot of different kinds of jobs, um, and I mean, a lot of them were minimum wage jobs, low paying jobs. You know, I understand what it means when when the price of milk goes up and how that impacts my family. You know, I understand what it means when the gas prices goes up. You know, and I think what's important is being able to send someone to D.C. who understands those things and is willing to fight for everyday working people. Wow. Um, that's, you know, I wish there would be more Democrats talking like you, because I think what the Democrats really need right now is just, you know, I mean, we're going to talk about messaging in a minute, but the messaging in that just like, and, and I don't want to necessarily, I'm not bagging on the Democratic Party. I would just like to see them improve their messaging. I think they do a very good job with governing and, and I mean, I'm not going to speak for you, but I'm impressed with Bi- what Biden has accomplished so far. Uh, obviously I'd like to see more, um, but I think it's refreshing to hear. I think it's also it's refreshing because a lot of people like you are they saw what happened on one six and they said, I can't take it anymore and I've got to run. And I mean, again, I'm going to go back to Bruno Amato. I think it was Marcus Flowers said the same thing. So you guys all have something in common. You're all veterans. You're all just, um, you know, regular people who are like, hey, I want to make a change. And I think that's really exciting. And I'm genuinely, genuinely hopeful that that um, resonates with voters. Um, and I wanted to ask you a little bit, I mean, we, you know, we've got the uh, January 6th commission going on and the GOP is working very hard to whitewash the narrative and lying and obstructing and all of that. Now, Steve Bannon was just charged and he just basically threatened Nancy Pelosi and Schumer. And, you know, that's a whole nother story. But what do you think about these people who stand by Trump, even with the mounting evidence that he lied about the election in order to provoke his base? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think that it's it's easy to get wrapped up in all of that drama that they're creating up there, and people like Bannon and all that are creating. You know, I, I I think that overall, you know, these these t- these types of people, they're the fringe element, mm-hmm. right? They're they're the loudest the the loudest uh, voices in the room. They're the fringe element. They're not even representative of the majority of people. So I think you know it. It's for me. I'm focused on on helping or being responsible for the welfare of my community. Mm-hmm. I think that's it first and foremost. And the way that I'm going to do that is, you know, on, in in my first hundred days of uh, of of being in Congress, I'm going to go and find my you know my counterparts, um, you know, and 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 I'm going to go introduce myself, talk to them, figure out you know if there are if there are similar interests on either side of the aisle all across the country and how we can work together to progress past all this drama. I think that it's important that we start breaking this frame 
we start pushing through all this ridiculousness and we start getting we start getting our, our country back on track. Do you feel I mean it's so it's so divided and I mean I'm not gonna lie, I'm I'm terrified of what's happening. Um when you see this divide, I mean there's there's certain let's say or, or let me let me go back and, and, and say the, the people, let's say, who you've helped and um who are not Democrats, are any of them Trump supporters? Some have been, yes. Um, others have, you know, been, you know, they've walked back their support. Um, and some, some still are. So it's, it's, I guess you could say it's sort of a, a mixed bag, yeah. Now, for the, for the Trump supporters that you have, your neighbors that you've helped, have, I mean, do, do, do you get the sense that they might vote for you? Or do you feel that they appreciate the fact that you were kind and you helped them, but they're still going to stick with Trump? I mean, not yeah, that you're you know, Trump, but you know what I mean. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 I was going to say, yeah, like it's again, I think it's a mixed bag. You know, I, I, I've often gotten, thank you for your service, but why a Democrat? Um, yeah, right. <laughs> but I've also similarly, I've also gotten, um, you know, I've never voted for a Democrat before, but I see myself voting for you. Interesting. Um, okay. So I, I see it across, I see it across the sort of across. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, honestly, I think that the reason why, some of the maybe maybe why the movement of Trump support has has sort of swept the country is because you know there's, there's probably a lot of people that see not the man himself but they see I guess the symbology of of, mm. of, of who he is as sort of a middle finger to people you know being made fun of a certain class of people being made fun of mm-hmm. uh, being left behind and that's what they see and so if if they see someone who jumps in the void and and demonstrates that they care about the community. They care about what they care about. You know, like I, I care about what they care about, mm-hmm. about, you know, l- again, looking out for the welfare of our communities. They see those things and it, it's, it's a little bit harder of a thing, a thing for people to overcome who are supportive of Trump. But I think that generally people just, they, they want to, they want to be able to carry on with their lives yeah. and maybe not have so much government intrusion uh, and, and not have to worry about some of these bigger issues that the government should be uh, dealing with. Um, so now, like I mentioned, there's a whole bunch of veterans right now, um, working class people that are running for Congress. And I'm just wondering, what do you think can change by having actual working class people and veterans on Capitol Hill? Yeah, I, you know, I think that some of the types of policies, uh, that are proposed, um, you know, there might be, there might be more push, for instance, in the Build Back Better plan. Um, you know, there, there, there was, there was a portion that was supposed to address a healthcare, mm-hmm. right. Um, but you know, it's, it's essentially been, you know, been carved out so much that that's now a shell of what it, what it once was instead mm-hmm. of, in, instead of offering, um, you know, I, I believe it was vision and dental. It only now has yeah. just the, uh, the hearing, mm-hmm. he, hearing portion. And I think that it's that understanding of what it means to live day to day, uh, and experience these these impacts in our lives, um, that that understanding that's going to drive a lot, maybe a different perspective in proposing different policies and bills. So, what do you have to say about like Mansion and Cinema? Because Mansion was all uh, against this, and he's always worried about the spending, and and it's all bullshit because you know the spending is already taken care of. But it's you know I mean, I, and I'm not going to say those are the only two Democrats who have. 
um, gotten in the way of Biden's agenda. I know there are others, but they're the two most prominent ones. But how do you feel about what's happening there? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think that, you know, if, if we're if, if we're going to be, you know, respectful of this, if we're going to if we're going to be nice uh, about this, I think that perhaps they maybe they're they're concerned with the the investment, <laughs> how much we're investing and what that's going to do to us as far as as far as our debts. Um, and, uh, you know, so that 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 may be where they're coming from. I, I don't I don't know. Um Yes, I mean, that is nice because I think I, they're I being really, I think they're being paid really by the GOP. <laughs> I do think that's nice because I don't trust them, and I think they're being paid by the GOP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just generally, I I uh, I mean, I don't I don't follow them. Uh, I'm I'm more concerned about again, you know, how what we're dealing with here in, in, right. in North Carolina, and, and if it and if it does so happen that you know that I'm up there working 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 with them somehow, and you know that's. I, I intend on sitting down with them and talking it out, figuring out where their headspace is. Right. Um, so let's talk about dark money and campaign finance reform. So obviously you got all these uh, corporations and wealthy Republicans p- putting lots and lots of money into the candidates. And then they're infamous for violating the campaign reform rules or finance rules, I should say. Um, and they're basically buying our elections. So I wanted to know, first of all, what do you think should be done about this? And do you accept money from PACs? Yeah, you know, I, um, I, don't, I don't take corporate PAC money. And, and, and the reason why is, you know, if you, if you look at my life, uh, you know, I, I was a combat veteran for eight years. I mean, I spent my whole life in service to this country in one way or another. You know, and honestly, I don't know any rich people. Uh, that, you know, that's, that's not where I, where I came from. That's not where I come from. Uh, that's not who I'm fighting for. And that's not really who I'm, a, what I'm about. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my campaign is, is focused on everyday people just like me, the people that had the types of jobs that I had, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and it's the every it's, it's these everyday folks who the, who the government is leaving behind, as I said before, and, you know, it's these everyday folks who, who are funding my campaign. That's who's going to continue to fund my campaign. And that's who I'm going to fight for in Congress. So just to play the devil's so, act- I mean, that's, that's, that's what I take packs. Right. Um, but I'm just going to play the devil's advocate here. Um, obviously, Cawthorn's going to take PAC money, and he's going to have that over you. And so mm-hmm. why wouldn't it be beneficial now to take this PAC money, uh, and then if you win then get rid of the dark money, get, you know, do the campaign finance reform so that nobody can do it. So I guess my question is, it's like, you're going up against these heavy hitters who have all this money and how is it going? First of all, maybe you could tell me how you're doing, not necessarily exactly how much, but I mean, how you're doing with, with fundraising and why wouldn't it benefit you to use that money now to get rid of it later? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, honestly, I, I, there's, there's a level there that I agree with you on, you know, these, these guys on people like Madison Cawthorn, they're, they're raising millions and millions of dollars through corporate and, and PAC money and, and dark money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so effectively, you know, Democrats, we, we have to fight with one hand tied behind, mm-hmm. tied behind our, um, now, you know, there are organizations out there who have endorsed my campaign. You know, there's the, you know, vote vets endorse the campaign and, awesome. and no Dems left behind endorse the campaign. Um, so these organizations are helping in fundraising. Mm-hmm. They're reaching out to people, you know, they're helping me get in touch with people, you know, they're, so they're, they're helping me with my fundraising. Yeah. Um, I, I certainly believe that having, 
having PAC money, maybe not corporate PAC money, but PAC money, it helps, it helps sort of, you know, marginally. So that way, you know, good, good representatives can get in, into office. Now, to answer your question about why shouldn't I take PAC, uh, you know, corporate PAC money, I guess, you know, I, I want to be a good role model for, for my daughters. Right. I want them to know that if, if I win, lose, or draw, I did so by doing the right thing. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm not for sale. I'm not for sale. I, I, I fought too hard to, to protect, you know, Americans, to protect mm-hmm. our constitution, to protect our way of life. And so I'm not, I'm not interested at all, at all in that. Right. And so, I mean, I, I'll just, it just means that I have to work harder, which I don't, I don't care about. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'm a workhorse, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's what I'll do. I'm, I, I tell people all the time, you know, I'm, I'm a bullheaded infantryman and I'll just, I'll just barrel through walls. I don't care. <laughs> well, I will, I will say this. That um, and I, I don't know what happened in in the last two elections, but I believe in 2020. I mean, I'm sorry, in 2012, uh, the Republicans outspent the Democrats by a huge amount, and they still lost. So money is good, but it's not necessarily everything. And I do think when you have a message that resonates, and when you're able to talk to people, I mean, I don't know what it's going to take to get some of these people. I view this Trumpism thing as a cult, and I don't know exactly what it's going to take outside of just completely eliminating their power uh, because we've shown up to the polls uh, to, mm. to get them to understand what's really truly going on because it's so tribal now. And it's just, you know, I mean, I, I can talk about people in my own family who I understand like somebody, there was somebody in my family who identified as conservative and I thought, and, and that they like Trump. And I was like, well, then if you're conservative, why do you like Trump? Because he's not conservative, and, but it is this cult. It is this cult of, of, of all. The, I mean, it's just it's anger. It's like you said, they feel left behind. Um, a number of things, whether or not it's true, it's their perception, so it's true to them. And so I just I, I wonder what it's going to take to, I don't know, change the trajectory of this country and not to be in such a defi- like not to be so divided. And one thing I will say is. People like you and some of these other candidates that I've talked to who are just regular people, I think that could be a key. That could really be a key because really we're all just here together. We share this country as if it's, it's our home. We share this home. And I know that while we may have disagreements on policy and, 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 and you know, obviously there's going to always be racism and sexism and bigotry. It's always going to exist. It always has. Um, but it, it it can be sent off to the fringes again. A little, it's, it's never been completely gone, obviously. But I think people like you, who are just representative of working class, everyday Americans, going into Congress could really make a difference. And I just, I'm just throwing that out there because I'm, you know, I'm scared like everyone else. So <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. Um, but what I wanted to say, too, is Democrats are really, really good at governing. I think they're fantastic at governing, and we have all kinds of proof for decades of wonderful things Democrats have achieved with, a, you know, health care. We've got Social Security. There's so many things, the 40-hour work week, but they do need help in messaging. And so it's just what – and when I say that, I want to be very clear. To anybody who's listening and feels very defensive, because I had someone come on my Twitter feed today and get defensive about it because Nancy Pelosi is a freaking badass, in my opinion. She was talking about what a jerk Kevin McCarthy is, and I mean, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about 
the overall, we, we know that like Democrat, uh, Republicans have Frank Luntz and they market, they are very good at marketing the GOP and the Democrats could use a little help there. And so what do you think would benefit Democrats in messaging? Yeah, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, I, I think that the messaging about, again, bringing, bringing the issues down to the ground, uh, talking about talking about how, for instance, you know, even though even though in Congress federally, I wouldn't impact Medicaid expansion. Mm-hmm. Medicaid expansion hasn't happened in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but but talking about Medicaid expansion, you know, when you when you talk to people about you know how many thousands of people you know don't have access to quality health care uh, until we expand Medicaid, you know, thousands of people is a number that that you know it's not really anything that i can i can't it's not tangible to me mm-hmm. right um but when you talk about for me you know i had a i had a friend who who lived in in several counties away from me uh, we've had a lot of hospitals closed down in western north carolina just because they can't afford to stay open yeah so a couple of years ago she you know she was giving birth to her, her son and 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 once her water broke she had to drive two hours wow. after her water broke into uh, into Asheville to be able to do that. Wow. So, you know, these are experiences that people have on the ground. Mm-hmm. So if you could talk about policy mm-hmm. and the way that it impacts, uh, I guess you could say at a micro level, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in, in our streets, on our streets, in our neighborhoods, you talk about that, something that people can tangibly grasp, then yes. that's probably a better way to show that, to, to market ourselves, yeah. right? Uh, and and also, you know, I mean, time will tell. Once the infrastructure, I, I'm, I'm, fully supportive of the infrastructure bill. <laughs> yeah. And once the infrastructure bill starts, you know, getting its wheels turning, starts, you know, starts getting enacted all over the country. Once we start seeing that, that, that investment back into America, um, I guess effectively, you know, taking the term America first and actually putting some real meaning behind it. Right. Um, and seeing how it impacts our lives. I think that'll start changing the, the, uh, the, the overview or the view of, of Democrats. Well, the last question I'm going to ask is, what would you do to move our politics away from extremism and onto a productive and prosperous path for North Carolina and for the country? Yeah, I mean, look, there's there's always going to be those people out there that hate you just to hate you, <laughs> you know. Uh, so, I mean, we you can never you can never make everyone happy all the time, right? Um, but I think generally, you know, I think it just if we look at this whole entire conversation, you know, we, we talked about communication. Mm-hmm. If we start sending uh, politicians to, uh, to, to, D, uh, excuse me, to DC that communicate with the constituents, people that actually hold town halls and, and, and ask and, you know, ask the constituents to see what they need so they can advocate for it in DC, you know, just, just having a holistic approach mm-hmm. to, actual representation <laughs> you know uh i think that that once people start seeing that that these politicians are constantly engaging their communities that might start turning turning some of this negativity and this polarization around a little bit well i sure do hope so because it do, this is an opportunity for us i mean it's 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 not one that i would necessarily invite but it's here and there is an opportunity for us. And again, I'm hoping that more people like you who are running for office are going to get elected. I hope the voters are paying attention and I hope that they follow you and they listen to your message and your story. I really appreciate what you're doing. I genuinely do. And I, you know, I want to be very clear that 
I don't always invite candidates onto my podcast. And the reason why, because I get a lot of people who want to come on my podcast. The reason why is because I think sometimes in these smaller um, states, it's more beneficial to go out and knock on doors and make sure everybody in your, you know, your state, your district knows what you're doing and they're not necessarily listening to my podcast because obviously, you know, this is just going out to everybody and you want to concentrate on your specific voters. But I do like to talk to people who are running against whether it's Marjorie Taylor Greene or Kevin McCarthy because all of us have a vested interest in them getting you know, unseated. And it, it, it's going to benefit the entire country if we have more Democrats. And and so I, I saw your story and I thought it was interesting and I thought, okay, yeah, I definitely want to talk to this guy. So I want to just personally say thank you for what you're doing. I, I'm impressed with everything you've had to say and I'm grateful that you care so much. I genuinely am. So I just wanted to throw that out there. And before we go into uh, the whole end of the show, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, you know, look, I, you know, I, I, my whole life has been a fight. You know, I mean, I, I was raised in the foster care system, worked as a bouncer, mm-hmm. uh, worked as a tattoo, worked as a piercer in a tattoo shop, worked in the army. You know, I, um, you know, uh, I, I guess you could say, you know, I've, I sort of welcome the fight sometimes. I'm cool. used to it. Right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, running, running for office here, you know, as a, as a Democrat, you know, it's, it's not, it's not necessarily something that I can, it's not something I can do on my own, mm-hmm. you know, sort of like liberating the village, some of the villages that I did in Iraq, we, I need help. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I mean, I always, I encourage people to come and check out our website, check me out on social media and, uh, and, and join the cause, join the fight. And let's, let's, let's do something positive. Yes, absolutely. So tell everybody where they can find you and where they can donate. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at, uh, Josh Rimmelard for Congress. Uh, you can find me at, uh, at my website, uh, joshremillard.com. Uh, and you can find me at joshremillardnc um, on Twitter. So that's R-E-M-I-L-L-A-R-D, correct? That's correct, yep. Awesome. Well, then you can also find me on Twitter, author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. Don't forget that extra E. I got books on, on uh, Amazon. Check me out. Thank you so much, Josh, for what you're doing and for being a guest on my podcast. Oh my gosh, Kimberly, thank you so much for inviting me. This is this has been an awesome conversation. Yay. Well, I'm just going to be following you and I'll be promoting you and you take care. All right, thank you. Bye-bye.